can I, can I ask a question? Yeah, go ahead. I'm <laughs> so since we're on this black on black platform, like, are we supposed to support everybody that's black? No. Conversations at parties, like, what do you want to do with your life? 
Yeah. What do you really want as far as like inspiring people? I hope that my journey can inspire others to mm -hmm. do what they want and not what they think other people want them to. Yeah. Oh, All right, let me go ahead and stood up. There you go. <laughs> Drum roll. There you go. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the gas. You know, I love how you my name is Alfred uh, Shady Brooks. I am. Uh, that's my first the name. The whole time. <laughs> it, it's right there on the ground. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, by day, am a high school uh, economics, personal finance, and government teacher uh, here in Clayton County, uh, Georgia, which is South Atlanta, for those who don't know, uh, South Metro Atlanta. Um, I, uh, am a owner of a clothing line, merch line called Alpha's Laundry. Um, created a hoodie that kind of went viral um, since the end of last year uh, that says my vice president is a black woman. Um, I am a uh, host of a Instagram live show called Teacher Talk Live, um, which is widely viewed, especially in the uh, black uh, teacher um, space on Instagram. Uh, I'm founder of an organization called Teachers for Good Trouble, uh, which is a national movement of almost 500 educators throughout the country um, who are pushing back against uh, the use of standardized testing uh, in our school systems. Uh, created a nonprofit called the Hope Organization, um, which creates opportunities for young people uh, to access um, promise. Um, and so, what that looks like is, you know, at the very beginning of the pandemic, we fed over a thousand families throughout the country uh, in collaboration with Shaquille O'Neal and his uh, Papa John's stores here in Atlanta, um, which is actually where I met Chris uh, for the first time. Uh, we're both uh, influencers for Papa John's um, here in Atlanta. But um, we uh, have also done a virtual prom for students where we raised over $30,000 uh, for scholarships for kids here in Atlanta and throughout the country. Um, I put on virtual events, coach uh, black and white educators on being anti-racist, anti-bias, and decolonizing the school curriculum. Um, and most recently, I have announced a candidacy uh, for Atlanta City Council, which is large. So yeah, so we're, we're just here to, uh, you know, represent uh, for those of us uh, who want to see some forward thinking and, and promise uh, in the city of Atlanta. So it's uh, a joy to share space with y'all, and I'm excited to get into this conversation. Sure. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't follow that. Um, yeah. let, me, let me sprinkle a little bit of more mine because I kind of like. I, 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 I hate talking about myself. Like, I really hate talking about myself, so I always like push through it. Like, hey, this is what I do. But um, I didn't say where I was from, so I'm originally born in Haiti. You know, lived there for seven years. Yes, I was born there, lived there for seven years, and moved to New York uh, when I was seven. Um, so stayed there for four years, and but I've been in Georgia most of my life. Conyers, Gwinnett, all around, and then Atlanta became really home, and that's where I really fell in love with us. You know what I mean? Us and our culture. Um, and I'd be amiss if I didn't talk about the Black and Black um, brand that you know I started like uh, two years ago, but it really picked up last year to really just promote positive and positivity and excellence in us and really, you know, there's so much on social media that just portrays, you know, the negative about like what we do and everything like that. So but I feel like we can never not we can never have enough brands that, you know, show the excellence and that people can come to the page or wear the merch that promote and um, exude our black excellence. 
Um, also, one of the founders of a nonprofit called Everyone Eats Foundation, um, where we do exactly that. Um, we, during the pandemic, we fed over a thousand people and families in need. Um, our pillars are education, empowerment, and enrichment, and that is, of course, for us. It's for everyone, but mainly focused on um, black people and just everyone in the community. Uh, we partner with literally everyone that we can because we know that we can't do this by ourselves. It's going to take a community to build and feed the community. Oh, so that's my little sprinkle. Oh, okay, so my first question to start the conversation off. So when you think of the words black on black, what first comes to mind? Anyone can tackle that first? Black You're black, black on black. Um, I will say, I don't, I don't like to exude any negativity when I hear black on black. The first thing I hear is what we've been you know, kind of trained to think about when you hear black on black. But as the years have gone by, it's been more focused on, you know, um, the energy that's been being exuded from everyone of supporting black business and bringing each other up. So black on black for me is being black on black. And hey. Hey. hey, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, to echo what the brother just said, I think it uh, immediately comes to mind is mysteries. Um, just kind of um, a, a lie, a big lie, um, about what it means to be black in America that has been perpetuated where, um, you know, we're, we're trained to think or to believe that black people are perpetuators of crime and that um, we disproportionately uh, have an impact on crime against each other um, in comparison to other communities, which is an absolute lie. Yeah. Um, we, in fact, don't. Um, the truth is, is that crime is about proximity. Mm -hmm. um, and so in white communities, many times the crime community gets there. Exactly. You know, yeah. white people, right. Same thing in Latinx communities, same thing in the Asian community, uh, as true as in the, in the black community. But um, it is a, uh, a coin term, a phraseology that's been used uh, to dehumanize us, to criminalize us, and to make it easier to penalize us. Um, and so it's, it's one of those narratives along with, you know, black fathers are not present, or all the rest of the mistruths when studies prove that's a lie. Yeah. In fact, it's the opposite, we're most involved. So um, it's just one of those things we have to be intentional about. I'm actually uh, grateful that you, you've taken um, that, that great lie, that big lie about us as people and spun it on its head um, and used that uh, to encompass what we're doing here. And as black folk talking about things about black folk, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, there's a lot of beauty uh, in taking things used to try to destroy us um, and using it to empower us. So, yeah, shout out to you for that. Um, but shifting this forward, um, so you said you're from Mobile, Alabama. Uh, you're from Florida. Um, initially, you're from New Jersey. I am from New Jersey. Uh, and you're from Haiti. Uh, came to Atlanta via New York. So um, none of y'all are really from, from Atlanta. So why did you choose this city? What 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 is it? The city chose me. Yeah, is it for me? Like, so where I'm from, I'm from a small, small, small town from Oakland. So it's called Grand Bay, Alabama. So population is like 1,100 people. So, so you like that dude from Stone Mountain that say they from Atlanta. Yo, But no, it's facts, man. So like, you know, I used to visit Atlanta. I always wanted to be here. 
because of like the black excellence, so many black owned businesses and just cool people. So that's why as soon as I graduated college, I moved out. Yeah. I was working at Enterprise Car Room, like in a suit for a day, you know, but I wanted to be in Atlanta because I knew this was my market and this is where I, I can actually kick off whatever it is I want to do. I moved to Atlanta because I had a chance to visit. I'm from a small town like yourself. It's called Cluiston, Florida. It's the sweetest town in America. And it's literally the sweetest town in America. We produce sugar, the sugar. Um, there's a sugar mill there. We produce But I visited Atlanta, and when I tell you, I've never seen so many black people. The town that I'm from, you don't see so many black successful men and women owning who they are and where they are from. And when I came to Atlanta, I was like, a black person house. Right. That's a black person. <laughs> house. You know what I'm saying? Because where I'm from, you don't see that. We were still segregated. White people live uptown. We live downtown. Like it's slowly been, you know, integration. But it's it's been crazy to see. So I was like, that's lit. Yeah, you know, like massive, the yeah. tall buildings. Our tallest building maybe was two stories. You know, I didn't see any anything like that. And I was like, you know what? I got to move to Atlanta. I had choices between New York. LA in um, Miami, and I just Miami was way too close for home for me. Uh, and I and I visit every place, and LA was actually too far away from home for me. So I was like, that ain't gonna work. And people are weird there, uh, and, <laughs> and it's expensive. Uh, and then New York was freezing cold, and I hate being cold. Um, and it was super expensive. And Miami, like I said, was too close. And I said, you know what? Let me go to let me go to Atlanta for a week and see how it's gonna be. And when I got here, I mean the energy that was here, just to see black people owning stuff, to see black people on billboards, to see black people really thriving. I'm like, oh, it's millionaires. Yeah. Like because you, if you if you've never seen it, how can you have never been exposed to it? How do you know it can happen? How would have ever guessed that we would have a black president and we didn't see it? So I was exposed to it. I said, oh yeah. So now eight years later, here I am still in Atlanta. Right. I'm like, yeah, this is my home. Like I'm not, I'm not moving. I'm about to get me a house. Atlanta is my home. So I, I picked Atlanta and I ain't moving. <laughs> I'm here to stay. Um, I would say for me, man, um, being really foreign, like I can, I can, <laughs> being really like, foreign. Like I came to New York and learned English in New York. Like, yeah. I was still coming to. Georgia staying in Connie's, I was yeah. trying to learn the culture, like how do I be American? Like yeah. I was thinking about the American dreams, like like all this before I let you go, all these songs, like I learned that in college. Yeah. <laughs> like think about that. Like I I really got exposed yeah. to more of the Atlanta culture once I got to Georgia State. And that's when I started becoming more of the person y'all see today. Yeah. Like y'all see you in high school before that? <laughs> it's real quiet. Yeah. I'm really observing and trying to understand like who can I be in this world, in this white America, yeah. you know what I mean? And seeing how foreigners were, foreigners were not treated very well, it's a new mm -hmm. thing that now Afro and yeah, all that they very, it, yeah. Yeah, very accepted. That wasn't, that wasn't mm -hmm. it. Like African-American movie scratcher and all yeah, that. that was, yes. Yeah, that was, that's what I was exposed yeah. to. So once I got to really, got to Atlanta and then just started seeing like people on campus like, the black community on yeah. Georgia State. We're not HBCU, but Georgia State it's is like, I'm, I'm, I'm a Panther. Yeah. I'm a Panther. Okay. You know what I'm saying? There's no school policy. Yes, sir. So, like, going to Georgia State and seeing the black excellence, like, I'm an alpha too, so, like, yeah. being exposed to that and seeing what they're doing and, 
and it just it just opened my mind to who I can be. Yeah. And once I really like dove into into that and just started becoming to becoming yeah. this, yeah. it was just it just Rats, I, I can't see myself yeah. being anywhere else because every, anytime I go anywhere else, after three four days, I'm, I'm like, back oh, it's back. time to yeah. yeah. no. So I feel like Atlanta really like. It really grew me, like that's where I planted, really planted a seed and started to really grow into what. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, you know, my experience with Atlanta is a little bit different. My, my dad uh, was a Morehouse man mm -hmm. and, um, you know, he had a gap in his tenure, uh, his time at Morehouse. He was there in 76 when Spike Lee was there, left, went back into the family thing, and met my mother eventually. And, and all of that, and then went back uh, to school at uh, Morehouse in 88, graduated in 89. Um, and so my family moved down here uh, in the late 80s, early 90s, and I just remember, uh, you know, right after Rodney King, uh, marching through the streets of Atlanta uh, with my dad, going to church at Morehouse Chapel every Sunday, uh, seeing, you know, growing up on that campus, being best friends with the dean of Morehouse Chapel's son. Um, and we eventually moved back to Jersey, and in 2003, I had an opportunity to be on Freestyle Friday on BET, um, on Little Six and Park, and was uh, retired, put in the Hall of Fame, and had some opportunities to work with folks like Sean Garrett and, and those type uh, here in Atlanta. And I had been flying back and forth every weekend, just doing the work on the, on the entertainment scene. And I was like, man, I love Atlanta. Like, it just yeah. feels good. It feels like home. It's, it's time to come back. And uh, so I did. So '04, I made a move down here. I'm talking about I had. Two hundred dollars, <laughs> a, a mattress. I even had a frame. You know what I'm saying? A crate of clothes that I sat that TV with the hump on. Facts. Got a hand-me-down couch and it was no going back. Like, you know, and uh, you know, and since then, uh, Atlanta has has given me everything. You know, my my, my baby uh, boy Christian was born here. Uh, bought my, my home here. Um, you know, been deeply entrenched on the front lines of the social justice movement uh, here in Atlanta. Um, and it, it just feels like it's a city that chose me. Yeah. Um, and I chose it back. Yeah. And, you know, much of what you were saying, Chris, like it's, um, it's a, it is a beautiful experience to see so much black excellence, black ownership, black leadership, yes. black enterprise uh, going down in, in one place. Um, and uh, it just offered a lot of promise um, to me. And I couldn't imagine that the things that I've accomplished or uh, who I felt free to be uh, could really happen in a different environment. Like this is it, you know. Um, home, I think, is uh, more than just where you're born. Many times it's where you choose to be and what chooses you to. Um, and that's what Atlanta represents for me. Yes. So I feel like Atlanta is kind of like the hometown of like excellence mm -hmm. and it's it's not like this everywhere in the country and so if you look at the shape room right it can go one of two ways oh, either you're like praising what black folk is doing or you're like Yo, like what what we doing so it's like a lot of people say like we hate and lie on like each other and stuff like that so I think even when we grow up, I want to ask you guys, so how was it, like, did you feel supported by your community, or um, was it like, oh, they hate on me, like, they don't see me thriving, prospering? 
It's so weird. I believe it depends on where you come from, right? I believe if I would grew up in Atlanta, I would have probably had the same experience. But where I was from, you know, it was it's the hood. Like that's what it is, you know. And I, I, when you make it out the hood, people will always have something to say, right? When you're trying to make it out the hood, people will always have something to say. And sometimes they won't support you, and the only thing that you'll have supporting you is your family and maybe one or two friends. Um, and I think that's because they haven't been exposed to anything else. They haven't had a chance to see what life can be like outside of those walls. So they get upset and they get they get mad or they start hating on you because they feel like you feel like you better than them or whatever the case may be. And I, I feel like for me, it was something simple as me going to because I played sports in high school. I was a four slash five star athlete. I did all kind of events. Stuff, whatever. That's what aesthetic came. Uh, yeah, you know. What I mean? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it was just something simple for me. People in my hometown city did not like the fact that I was going to school 20 minutes away. Like it was like this whole rival thing. You know, I'm like, oh, you think you better than us because you're going to this school? Or you think, you know, it's something small like that, but it, it means so much as you grow because you're like, why you just can't support me? Why you just can't, you know, be happy for me? And I think. We don't, as, as black people, we don't, we don't see it often, so we don't know how to do it. You know what I'm saying? We don't even know that we're, we're pulling each other down because we're just so used to, like, trying to get out the mud and struggling. Like, oh, you think, oh, you think I, you, you're doing better than me? You, you better than me? No, I'm making better decisions, and you can too. And I think that's the problem that they don't, they don't get a chance to see. So that's for me. I know if I, if I grew up in Atlanta, I love where I'm from now, but if I would have grew up in Atlanta where you see a lot of black people thriving, you see a lot of black people doing amazing things, then you can be like, oh, okay, it's possible. Let me push her to be better because if she do it, I know she'll come back and get me. You know what I'm saying? I know she'll, she'll look out for me or she may have to hire me one day. But if you don't see it, then how can you, you, know, how can you respond differently? So, I mean... For, for me, I feel like that's one of the reasons why a lot of black people kind of hate on each other. And, and probably when I was growing up, why they were doing it too, because they ain't never been nowhere. They ain't been exposed. Yeah. No, I completely understand that, man. Um, I've been, I, I would say that it may be my outlook on life or yeah. um, just my mindset, but I've been blessed to always feel loved yeah. in most of the things that I do. Especially like, as far as family, like I have a huge family. Like, oh, yeah. I have, 54 aunts and uncles. Oh, that, I love that it. I didn't know about. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know about. Like, it, like two, three years ago, my mom comes like, hey, I want you to meet your new auntie. I'm like, no, it's my grandmother's a rolling stone. And the West Indian families. Everybody. Exactly. Because I'm the baby girl of 10. Yeah. So it's like, I've always felt love from my family and always felt some kind of support. Yeah. And as far as like my friends, like I go by energy. Mm. So if your energy isn't right, I'm always cordial to everyone I meet. I show love to yeah. everyone I meet, but I won't keep you close to me if you're not giving me that energy that I feel that I'm going to feel you, but you're also going to feel me back. Yeah. Mm. And as time went by me going to school, high school in Georgia and then going to Georgia State and meeting, being around the black excellence like college, was going to school at Georgia State, yeah. that's in the middle, Morehouse, Clark, mm -hmm. Georgia Tech, Spelman, like everything, like I met enough people in each place that had the energy yeah. that I surround myself with. So the support has always been real for me here. Yeah. 
to be honest. So I never, I, if I have the negative energy around me, I don't pay attention to it. Yeah. You've you been I mean? blessed. Exactly. <laughs> I, I've been blessed to be surrounded by positive energy and only focus on what you focus on is what you get and what you what you know surrounds you. So I focus only on the positive. So I say I'm blessed, man. Same with me, Chris. Like I look at support in so many different ways, not just financial. Like mm -hmm. repost is a support to me. Yeah. What? You send somebody to my yeah. website, you yeah. send an opportunity, you exactly. put me in contact with somebody, you mention my name. That's, that's support. The biggest thing. Can I, can I ask a question? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> so since we're on this black on black platform, like, are we supposed to support everybody that's black? No. Okay. You don't. You don't have to do anything. You know what I mean? Like it. I think it's like like we only have so much to give. Right. You know what I mean? Like like I said, the whole I feel you, you yeah. feel me. It's like I'm supporting you. Are you supporting me yeah. back? Are you giving me? Like, right. There's the I'm gonna you know you might get that one percent. It's like oh yeah I'll shout you out maybe yeah. something, but I'm not about to give you fifty yeah. while you giving me zero. Yeah. You know I think it's a it's a give and take of like you know people expect have expectations but. They don't really know how to move in the way of their expectations. No, that's funny. I was having a conversation about uh, kind of this notion more in the political realm uh, earlier today. I mean, the truth is that our default should be to support each other. Yeah. But something being default doesn't mean you don't calibrate to do something else sometimes, mm -hmm. right? And we all know that all skin folk ain't can't folk. Come on, man. And so we have to do a better job at, at being able to distinguish uh, who among us is actually for us for because us, yes. there are many people who look like us but are yeah, not working in the, to the benefit of our people mm -hmm. um, and correct so yeah. so by default right we should want to support our people but we should be able uh, to have uh, some discernment between uh, who is actually doing the work to help our community mm -hmm. uh, and who is actually part of the resistance against our upward mobility collectively yeah. um, and so that's what I think is is really most important but you know, I believe we should choose us first. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I know, like, in Atlanta, it's very, some, some energies are transactional. You'll meet somebody on a Wednesday, Thursday, they're asking you for an opportunity. Yeah, they're asking you to repost. You're like, hold on, 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 instead of both hands reaching yeah. so we can both pull each exactly. other, right? Yeah. You know what That's I mean? So even if someone's platform maybe is not the size of another, you can still be a value add. Yeah. But unfortunately many times people are kind of looking just for the uh for to receive something mm -hmm. and not seeing how they can be a value add in return. Uh, when we all have something to offer to each other. Exactly. I mean and I know earlier we were kind of discussing how um one of my things I've been working on is learning how to say no. Mm. Right? That's my struggle. Um, my struggle it's my struggle. <laughs> I want to, you know, I, I, I was the person that, ooh, black everything. You yeah, know, I'm, I'm, I'm both for everybody black. Yeah. But in 2020, I learned you can't vote for everybody mm. black. Yeah. You got to understand what you're voting for. And if they're adding value to your life and how they're benefiting you. And what is it taking away from you? What's the opportunity cost? Right. At the end of the day, like it, if it's gonna be too much of a hassle on me to help you, mm -hmm. we gonna have to figure something out. Especially mm -hmm. if you ain't pouring back into me. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's like now you, we live in a society, this microwave society, to where everybody wants instant gratification, and we need it, we need it. And if you ain't helping me, then blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. what are you doing to help yourself first? Mm -hmm. And what are you doing to help other people? Mm -hmm. And how can we help each other? Let's figure that out and go from there. But I am now learning how to say no because I. 
I was feeling like, you know, at a point to where I'm supporting everybody's yeah. situation. And here we go, I am literally pouring in this cup, <laughs> I'm pouring in this cup. You're, you're oh wait, come back again. Oh, pouring in this cup again, pouring in this cup again. Oh wait, come back again. I'm empty. Right. Who is pouring back into me? And then your family, how you been? Yeah. <laughs> and, and you still have these people over here who are still full mm-hmm. and, still and telling awesome. other people who are now coming, mm-hmm. expecting more with no value. Yeah. So how do you learn to say no? Yeah. And that's like, I'm, I'm learning how I can still be supportive, but from afar. Mm-hmm. And learning how to just say, I can't. I won't. Yeah. No. Yeah. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe. Or I just don't feel like it. Because people feel like because you're black, yep. you're supposed to support. Or because they know you. Or because of whatever position you may hold or title or whatever it is. They're supposed to do something. But I think people forget there has to be value. And you got to figure out how can we pour back into each other. You pour into me. Alright. So you pour it back into me and we can all, you know, benefit from it. We all eat and we all are full or somewhere we're right. It's the big it's the visual. Right? How will they, and that goes back to support, like we talked about from our hometowns, how will they know if they don't see it? Yeah. How do you so expect a person to, to love and support you if they don't know how to? Yeah. So, that's, that's, that's my spiel. So, I have a question. We talk about supporting me. <laughs> Let me get my cup back. Pour it back into yourself. That's exactly quarter, well, I got to go really hand, yeah, you know, I got to yeah. put in that 90% yeah. and take 10 for myself, and then you know what, I kind of burned myself out, alright, I need to take 60 for myself, yeah. so it's a it's an ever-evolving equation, and I had to learn that, because I'm always trying, like, oh, man, let me set my schedule, wake up at 6, you know, this is 7 and 8, yeah. da, 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 and it doesn't always work out like that, so, like, you, uh, last year taught me a lot about mental health, man, 2020 was was real because with everything that was going on from George Floyd of not knowing how I could help and stressing myself out and being mm-hmm. just mentally drained about everything that's going on, being empty but still wanting to pour back and understanding that, yo, you, you can't do anything yeah. if you're the one that's broken. Like my friend, my friend comes to me and he tells me, you know, what's going on in his life and I start crying. <laughs> you guys like, how, how am I going to help you yeah. if I'm breaking down while you're coming to me for yeah. help? Mm-hmm. And that shined a light on learning how to say no. I learned that I learned that back in December. Yeah. I finally cracked <laughs> learning how to say no back in December. And that's why 2021 has been the happiest year of my life. Yeah. Like, I understand, it's like, um, I understand you have this going on. 
but I can't right now. Yep. I'm sorry. And say it with a smile. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and not feel bad about it because it's not that you don't want to help. It's just like, yo, I, yeah. I legit can't do it. Yeah. But, you know, let's keep well, this. Well, not even can't. Just say, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to say that I don't want to. I just say I can't. I can't. I'm working my way there. Yeah, I'm working my way there. So it's like, it's just, it's really just a balance of constant evaluation, whether that be daily or weekly or monthly, of understanding what stage you're currently at and what, how full is your glass to pour into others at the moment. Yeah. And that, for me, has helped me a lot with my mental and just continuing certain relationships and seeing where relationships are toxic and that they just want to keep pulling. It's like, hey, I have nothing to give right now, but you keep asking me and asking for more. This may not be... Yeah. What I thought it was until you fully understand that yeah. I'm gonna have to take a step back, <laughs> yeah. you know. And just it's a constant evaluation of relationships yeah. and just how you move daily. Uh, well, oh. No, I, I was gonna say one thing. I wish, I <laughs> but now I feel like for me, just trying to live in the moment, you know, mm -hmm. remind myself we're only in month three, yeah. <laughs> so because yeah. I'm high functioning, like I'm yeah. always trying to work oh, on yeah. something. I feel like if I haven't achieved this goal yeah. and I got twelve other goals I'm trying to mm -hmm. achieve. I ain't get shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's life. Yeah, 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 Right. So just really try to embrace whatever you've done so far and just kind of like keep that, you know, that balance. So yeah. I like to live in the moment. Yeah. I scream. I cry. I yell. I talk to myself. Like, I do. If I'm feeling whatever type of way on that certain day, I'm about to live in it. She's not lying because I follow you. And I love it. I love it. Like, you're transparent as fuck. Can you cut something? Yeah. It's like a. It's like a. It's like a. It's like I listened to one interview you did last year, and it was the exact same thing. Yeah. Sometimes when I get comfortable, I just start like get too relaxed. Oh, y'all. But no, that's the thing I love about your platform because you're transparent. Yeah. I love that. So, yeah. I, I don't know how to face the Yeah, I can't do it. Like I can't I can't be anybody else. I can't fake it. And I'm I'm such a true believer of doing self-assessments. And if you're if you're happy, be happy. If you're mad, be mad. Yeah. If you're angry or whatever it is, be that. But know that like your situation won't last. Like if I'm happy, I ain't gonna be happy all the time. It's gonna be some days where I don't feel like being bothered. Yeah. It is what it is. This is the handshake. Because people expect you to be perfect. Mm -hmm. They put you on this pedestal or they put mm -hmm. you in this category because you give so much energy. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and it's kind of it's almost a little bit of a gift and a curse. Because yeah. once people get attracted to your energy, they wanna see it all the oh, time. Yeah, they all expect the time. it yeah. all the time. And everywhere you go. I need that. I give me this. Yeah. Give me yeah. this. And every time you, anybody you come around, they're taking from you, taking and taking. And sometimes you just feel like I'm tired of y'all taking from me now, goddamn. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, hey, hey, hold up, not still running. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I like to. If I'm angry, of course I don't share because I don't think nobody else deserves my my mood, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't share with the world, but I share with myself. Yeah. I'm going to talk to myself. I'm going to scream. I'm going to write down whatever's on my mind because I write in my little journal and I like to go back and read it like months later. <laughs> 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 I literally, I don't, I don't even write like
like, you know, I'm literally writing to myself like, oh, today was Mm-hmm. You know, I literally talk like I'm talking to myself yeah. in the book. Yeah. Um, but I, I learned to live in those moments and understand that trouble will not last always mm-hmm. and that things happen. Mm-hmm. But if you can figure out why they have, sometimes we don't even know why they happen, but if we can mm-hmm. figure out how to pivot and get out of that, I'm always talking about pivot, but if we can figure out a way to get out of that when we go through things and we deal with it, not just hopping in, oh, I'm yeah. strong, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can take it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Don't nothing phase me. I don't care. I care. <laughs> you know, I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm happy. Like that's not that's what I do, and that's really how I'm able to stay alive. To keep my mental, you know, to stay to keep me stable because I'm I'm able to just go through it and get through it without losing my brain. You know what I'm saying? And then also I learned, especially through 2020, I have to speak things into existence. I have to really tell myself, yes, and I have to really legit how I speak to everybody else. Christina, girl, you got this. I literally have to encourage myself more than I do everybody else. Mm -hmm. And even when I get up, I'm always pushing myself. I got to do it because it's so much stuff going on. In 2020, we had a, a bunch of stuff going on, a lot of different energies. And it's so easy for you to go on social media and you start reading the post, Yo, and the next thing you know, your heart, yeah. or you start Ooh. feeling like the weight is on you, and now you're like, 20 minutes, they trying to figure out, why wow, wow. like, yeah, yeah, what, yeah, what's yeah, going yeah. on? I'm save the world. Yeah, yeah. Like you're like, oh my God, what can I do? <laughs> so I've learned to just start putting, saying good things, you know what I'm saying? Putting good things in the atmosphere, putting good energy into the atmosphere, and then also not just manifesting, and I like to throw that out there. People like to just manifest, right? I'm just going to speak it. But also doing the work. Faith with works. Faith with works. You know what I'm saying? And and just making sure that not only am I manifesting, which is speaking things into existence, but I'm literally praying for what I want. Because there's a higher power. And I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. But I also believe in doing the work and holding God accountable. He cannot bless you if you're not in the position. If you're out of position, he can't bless you. So we can be around here saying, oh, I'm going to get this big house. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get this big job. I'm speaking into existence. No, you got to do the work. Mm-hmm. You got no, to lay the foundation. Right? You got to stay in position so that he can bless you. So I learned with all of that, that's how I'm able to stay sane. That's why I'm able to like, you know what? God dang, 2020 started out great. It started out bad. And I feel like, what in the world? What is my purpose? Yeah. But it's something sweet about knowing that God always has your back and that if you stay steadfast, if you stay planted, like I talked about, that pivot, and you continue to pivot, and you continue to figure it out, and you continue to speak things and do the work, God will bless you. Because in my fourth quarter, I was like, oh, my God, Mm. it blew my mind. I went from not working for months, not knowing when my next check was going to come, how, what. I'm in my savings. It just dwindling down. I'm literally pulling my hair out. I'm losing weight. I'm stressed out. I'm I'm literally living in my depression. (laughs) But nobody knows. And I'm fighting it because I'm like, come on, like. And every time, girl, you killing it. Yeah. I just see you on TikTok doing Ooh, videos. Yeah, but I'm literally <laughs> soaking in the fact that I yeah. cannot be who I want to be. Yeah. And that's entertaining people. And that's oh, doing what I love man. to do. And I'm not feeling yeah, trapped. Yeah. But there's something sweet about God and about Jesus just knowing that if you stay planted, if you do the work, 
and you figure out a way, you speak those things that they were, and you continue to do work, God will bless you because my fourth quarter changed my whole entire life. 2020 ended up being the best year of my life. 2021 has been, oh my God. Yeah. If you can do that, come right. on. Exactly. What, what are we doing? You telling me if I if I do the work, and if the work is not hard, if I just stay in position, stay in my lane, God, what you gonna do? Are you sure I'm not like that? Oh, that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. It, it, it will blow your mind. So I've been able to stay sane, like just sane as much as I can by just living in the moment, mm-hmm. understanding when I don't feel like being bothered. But still yet doing the work. So that's how I've been able to kind of get through 2020 and just be be me and just learning how to just I today good day. No, but nobody will ever you know, I share and I tell my story, but I don't think nobody deserves whenever I'm having a bad day. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Who am I to go and throw all my stuff on you? Why would I that's selfish? It's important for me to deal with what I got going on because energy is transferable. I come around you with this bad energy. Now you mad. Then you take it to him. And now he mad. All of us in here mad. And guess what? We having a bad day. We going to shoot up and everybody else. We just mad. We want to fight. That's not, no. We got to deal with what we have going on. If we can't deal with it, find a therapist. So, yeah, that's <laughs> Okay. I'm right, right. So, to, just, to, just to add on to that, like, my thing, like, like you said about diving into social media and yeah. letting that energy go into you, like, my thing has been since 2021 started is to wake up, stay away from this. Yeah. Take, do 10, 20 minutes of meditation. Yeah. Really tap into yourself. Do 10 to 20 minutes of yoga. And then... Look at your task list, plan out your day, set, this is what I'm going to today, this is the important things, and then you tap into the world, and doing that, yo, I, I wish I could do that, yo, I am, it's, it's yeah, been, it's, it's been yeah. so life-changing for me, and like journaling in the morning too, that's, yeah. that's changed my whole perspective about life, and how I go into people filled up already yeah because i've tapped into myself i filled up my reservoir cool okay cool i bet i'm at i, I, didn't, I didn't get to 100 but i'm at 90 percent i mean and then the, the not come back home i'm at 10 percent refill myself back in the morning once you get into that like it just it changes the complete like you said you don't go to people with that negative energy yeah. you don't give them the energies that you haven't prepared yourself yeah. to give out for that day so i wake up by the time i start talking to people and whatever like I'm at 100% positive. What you got going on? Are you bad? All right. Like, it just just goes that way. And, like, that's so important of, like, being in your passion and understanding that the path is in my mirror. Yeah. Like, you're going to have to pivot. Like, I had to learn that, too. It's like, okay, cool. I'm going going 100 miles an hour right now. And if something happens, I'm going 10. What's what's going on? I'm going to start panicking. It's like, nah, it's just you have to go around this little roadblock right quick to get back on road. And then you go back. Yeah. And just really understanding that life is really and when you're when you're walking your purpose and you have that faith and just know that there will be the down times where things slow down and you just gotta go like, all right God, I don't know what's going on right here. <laughs> I trust but you. I trust you, yeah. I'm gonna stick to it. I'm not gonna, you know, pivot and just go get a nine to five. Yeah. You know, staying on what I know is my passion and my work. And I'm just gonna trust that everything's gonna work out. Yeah. You gotta figure out what works for you. What works for me may not exactly. yeah. What works for me may not exactly. work for everybody else. I think it's important that we we remind people that whatever you do, it may be great for you. That's your own your own mythology. Like, oh yeah, if I do this, 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 it works. For other people, 
It may not, but people have to find what works for them. And when they find it, I think that's the true beauty because they know how they have that emotional intelligence to say, okay, all right, I know how this going. Okay, all right, cool. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can, you know, I can move how I need to move. And I think that's so important to remind people to to know, like, hey, everything ain't gonna work for everybody. Find what works for you and stick at that. So, yeah. yeah. No, I think uh, for me, it's it's you know, it's a few words, man. It's it's joy. In pain. Nah, it's 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 understanding the difference between joy and happiness. Yeah. It's understanding uh, what it means to have purpose, and it's understanding that you can't have faith and fear at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, by the difference of joy and happiness, is is I think many times we're we're always grabbing for happiness. Missing the fact that the word happiness is rooted in the word happen, yeah. which means that it's fleeting. Yeah. You, you, you attain it, and then it goes. Yeah. And then you got to refill on it again, right? So it doesn't, it's, it's not sustainable. But joy, joy is the reason when we go to a family member's funeral, we can laugh, mm-hmm. right? Because it's, it's those things that are everlasting and that are sustainable that we're grounded in that keeps that, that emotion that can't be uh, quelched by a bad time. Yeah. Um, but then you have uh, the faith and the fear piece, where many times we, we want to claim to have faith, but as you said, when we have to crevasse around something, when we have to navigate around uh, through troubled waters, uh, we, we worry about drowning, mm-hmm. right? But we're only able to walk across the troubled water when we maintain faith, when we're grounded in an understanding that better days will come. You know, I've been through some of the toughest experiences that I could imagine as a human. I had a daughter born prematurely at 24 and a half weeks and pass away in my hands. Mm. Like, there's no deeper hurt or pain that I could ever imagine experiencing. Um, and, and so it's, it's that, that understanding that no matter how dark that day was, there, were, there was fruit to happen on the other side of the, the thunderstorm. Yeah. You know, sometimes we want the rain without the thunder. Mm, come on. Mm-hmm. Right? Sometimes we want the fruit, but we don't want to till the land. Mm-hmm. All right? But in order to, to, to receive the things on the other side, we have to make it through it. Right? You don't have a testimony without what? A test. A test come right? on. Mm-hmm. So, don't. Well, I'm about to write this stuff down. Uh, Instagram captions but but our our, our purpose um, is the thing that really ties all of these elements together you know for me as a as a teacher you know I have days where I wake up and I don't want to talk to anybody mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with anyone but I think the measure of us as humans in our experience on earth is is um, is qualified and quantified by how we make people feel when they leave the room, mm-hmm. right? And so no matter what it is that we're going through, there are people who are counting on us. Um, I know for many of us, like, you know, there's, there's this notion of self-care and, and those type of things, and I think that's kind of uh, grounded in centering the flesh, but I live my life centering my legacy. Um, no one cares what pain you went through, how much joy you had, what car you drove, the clothes you wore, and all of those things. So much as they don't care about how you made them feel, uh, what you did to be a value add to their lives, how you've impacted the community around you, whether or not you helped others realize upward mobility together. Um, it, it's those things that are going to supersede all of that. Christ walked but 33 years on earth. 
Pop lived but how many years on Earth? Big lived but how many years on Earth? Nip lived for how many years on Earth? These people will resonate with us throughout generations and forever because of the impact that they left. And I think sometimes, and this may not be for everybody, just as you said, we all kind of have our own thing. But I live more for my legacy than I do uh, for my flesh. And I think for me, that's the thing that keeps me full. So no matter how tired I am, last night, uh, we were protesting at the Fulton County Jail, Rice Street, yeah. everybody know here in Atlanta, right. um, because they had locked up my sister Park Cannon, Representative Park Cannon, for knocking on the door of the governor, the governor. Uh, yeah. fighting against the, the uh, voter suppression bills that they just passed, SB 202. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm sitting, shout out to Seesaw, black <laughs> I'm sitting at Seesaw, I got me a shot of Doucet, I had a salmon filet on the way, I had just ordered it, I flip on my IG Live while I'm sitting at the bar by myself. And uh, I see my people down, you know, at the jail trying to get her bond, uh, bonded out. So I'm like, dang, I'm like, hey, man, let me, let me get that in the box, man. Yeah. Pay my little check, tip my yeah. man my 20% and rolled out um, and pulled up. Again, didn't get home till about 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm dog tired, dog tired, but still woke up to be present outside the governor's mansion today to, to make some noise about mm-hmm. what had occurred. Mm-hmm. So it's that, it's that the thing that fuels me is that purpose. It's that knowing that there, there is a deed to fulfill. I have rent to pay here on earth. I have uh, to, to make my deposits for uh, my ability to experience uh, beautiful souls and spirits like yourself. Yeah. But that requires some work mm-hmm. along with that faith. Um, that requires uh, some work in order to experience that joy. Um, and it's all, it's all grounded in what are we doing for us? Um, and I think if, if more of us decenter ourselves and we are more grounded in our collective, you know, this, this individualism is not something that is native to us as black people. We don't come from a, a uh, people who lived uh, solitary. Mm-hmm. They was together groups. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. We are villagers. Yeah. Right. And we have to begin to behave like that collectively again. Um, we've adopted too many uh, patriarchal white supremacy uh, methods of living where individualism is lauded. But in our culture, that's not who we are. In fact, we come from maternal societies and not patriarchal societies. So we are living in, in a deviation of who we are. And that's why we're having such a hard time as a people. But as we remember that, number one, our women are the center of it all. Mm -hmm. And number two, that we don't exist without us. And so as we return back to to our true nature, then we will start to have more joy, start to realize more promise, um, and start to bring a fruition of of collective upper, upper mobility. So... Alpha should be for uh, Biggie County. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for people. Nah, it's like one thing you said, man, makes so much sense. It's like figuring out your purpose. And I think that's the hardest thing to do because you're on social media, you're surrounded by people that's really evolving in their space. And you feel like that's your lane. That's what you should be mm-hmm. But dude, my boy over here is a crazy ass DJ, but I can't go up there and mix. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not going to buy new equipment, you know? Yeah. But I think once we really figure out our purpose and then create a plan to stay in that lane mm-hmm. and have fun in it, mm-hmm. the sky's the limit. Yeah. We talk about like supporting black businesses and things of that nature. Um, and I just kind of want to talk about like financial background. Like when did you guys learn about financial literacy, uh, financial health? So on the last episode, we kind of made the difference between financial literacy and financial health. Literacy is what you know, health is what you do, how you're taking care of your money, and um, basically just want to ask her, like, when 
did it become like uh, important? Like, when did you know, okay, like I gotta think about my money and things like that? November 17th, 2020 for me. Like, I read this yesterday. Um, you know, I had sat down with this millionaire. He was just really educating me on business credit. Because my business, um, I, I, so I have a for-profit and a non-profit. But I've been operating like under my own expenses. So learning like business credit and getting a secure business credit card and understanding like the billing cycle and how to evolve in that space, like that's something I've never done until like last year. And from there, man, like there's so many other opportunities for my business because of that conversation. So mine was last year. Mm. Um, I would, I would say, um, sure, I don't have an exact date. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, it was definitely after college, um, trying to understand. It's like okay. One, not understanding how I had a whole apartment and living my life off of $12 an hour. Man. I mean, like, God was working miracles. <laughs> <laughs> working miracles and, like, you know, understanding, um, you know, as we get older, we get more responsibilities. And it's the bills that, that the lifestyle that we want to live and understanding about living under my means yeah. versus, you know, trying to be flashy for everybody. Like, yo, that's... I have no interest in that at all. Mm -hmm. It's really about the comfort, the com the comfort in life for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I would say about like 24, 25, I started to get more interested in like, okay, how do I, how do I buy a house? Mm -hmm. How like I'm looking at two hundred thousand dollars. Like, yo, I have a thousand dollars in my bank account. Like, how is that even going to happen? Yeah. And learning more about credit mm -hmm. and leverage and getting more into stocks for me was like 27 so i'm slowly but surely like really learning financial literacy and financial health really happened for me around that 27 age to where i started making more money and then i started learning how to manage what i had so until i had it i didn't know you know what i was going to do with it you know what i mean so once i had it, it's like okay cool i'm getting i'm getting a great amount like i can live my life however i want to but i don't want to get because I know everything comes in season. Mm -hmm. yes, season. Man. So yes. I might be getting this right now, yeah, but yeah, two, three months from now, you know, it might not be here. Yeah. Yeah. So my, I think it started with like different goals, small goal. Well, maybe that's not a small goal, but like, like all right, cool. By the end of the year, I need to save at least $10,000. I need to invest at small least five. Small investment. Like, right, right. right. Small investment.
but I was able to. <laughs> to oh, God. God. Hey, it blows your it blows your mind, but you learn how to budget, right? You learn about financial literacy and how to budget and how to make sure you got this taken care of and mm-hmm. how can I do this with, okay, if I get this credit card and get these rewards for nigga, you cash back to You know what I'm saying? Like, figure, figuring out how to, you know, you start learning and now I've gotten to the point to where I'm like, oh, I'm making money. Right? Yeah, like, now I'm learning how to make money Make like like make, make money, money, make money. Yeah, make my money, make money, mm-hmm. and be responsible with my money. Mm-hmm. I've I never was like a an irresponsible spender or yeah, anything yeah, like yeah. that. I've always been like I want to keep all my money. Yeah. You know, so I want to just see how much I can get. Right, right. But I am now like investing. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm I'm figuring out. Okay, let me make sure I have this life insurance policy over here. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, let me go grab another one of those. Let me mm-hmm. put some in stocks. Mm-hmm. Let me put some here and here and here. So I'm, yeah, and you, yeah. And you and you just learn. And I think for me, I learned that probably came about. I don't know, maybe like a year, a year or two ago. Not doing the pandemic, uh, but <laughs> uh, but a year, a year or two ago. Because I'm just like, how can I know it has to be more, right? I know I have to, I eventually I'll make more money. Like year, two years ago, I didn't think that I would make nowhere near as much as I was making, I make right now. And I was like, there's no, man. Yeah. I would Nobody. never, I would have never thought. Yeah. Nobody could have told yeah. me, even if they wanted to pay me six figures. I'd be like, hell no, nah, that can't happen. And then to see it actually happen, like, oh, it's possible. Man. It goes back to just knowing that it can happen. You email twice a day. Yeah, you be like, y'all want to offer me uh, what? 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 Added an extra. Yeah. And then other stuff start happening. So then you have to learn how to manage your money. And I don't know all of it, but I'm still I'm still learning. I have other people now managing it, trying yeah, yeah. to make sure it's right. But it's, it's all a learning process. Yeah. All, all the things we do, especially when it comes to money, because for so long, black people were never taught how to make money, mm-hmm. how to handle money, mm-hmm. you know, how to build a legacy for their kids and build generational wealth. Mm-hmm. We were always trying to, you know, we're going to buy this, we're going to spend a lot for the Jordans, we're going to, you know, when this 1400 check coming, you know, like, yeah. we shouldn't even be, you know, we shouldn't even be screaming about getting a $1,400 check. Like, that's going to change life. Right. Yeah, yeah, like, it's yeah. crazy, yeah. but we've been conditioned that way. Yeah. We've been conditioned to think that, okay, we need these handouts. No, we got to figure out a way. If I if I do this and I work really hard for this and I can build generation, generational wealth here, 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 if I continue to build my legacy and teach what I know to everybody mm-hmm. else, then everybody else can win. You know what I'm saying? If we can get a group of businesses here, hey, you got 10000 you got 10000 hey, let's get a group together. Now we got a whole investment group. Let's go buy a property together. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That yeah. we can leave to our kids. Yeah. But nobody really teaches that. But I think now you have more people, more people of color who are now starting to push that. So we're learning more. Mm-hmm. So it's all a learning experience. Like, I'm still learning. Like, yeah. I, I am literally still learning every single every day. day. Yeah, I would say I'm, look, I'm still actively learning yeah. uh, myself. Um, you know, I teach financial literacy uh, to high school seniors. Um, See, they teach that when we was in school. Right. No, they had it. Yeah. But, but let me tell you, though, my my financial literacy class is more of an entrepreneurial master class. Yeah. Rather than just teaching them how to handle money that they like, how I'm going to get access to, mm-hmm. I'm teaching them how to how access to money. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's where, like, really we have to start. We have to, um, you know, one of my, my, my big 
wise in education is to dismantle the notion that we teach our students to be good employees for other people. Come on yeah. now. Right? Like, instead of being job takers, we have to have a, a shift in our thinking to be job makers. Yeah. Um, I always tell my students, your boss ain't never going to pay you enough to be in a day Nope. Ever. And for me, as an educator, I remember my first year teaching, man, I made 27000 Like, it's hard to imagine what what financial literacy even means or matters to be when you just trying to figure out how to pay the bills. Like, that, right, 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 right. You're just trying to survive. And it was interesting, you said, you know, we've been conditioned to be that way. And I would, I would take that a step further and say our conditions are that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Two percent of Americans own eighty percent of all the money. Mm. Two percent of Americans own eighty percent of all the wealth in America. Right? So so really at the end of the day we're we're scrounging for little things and we get mad at each other like why are we being crabs in a barrel? Yeah. But crabs were never designed to be in, in a barrel. barrel right? right? So right. We, we this is not where we were supposed to be. Like, Yo, over the course of the next few months, the future millionaires and billionaires of next year, of next decade, of the next five years are going to be made now. There are problems that are existing in this world that need answers, and here is an opportunity for us to capitalize on that and be the owners of that intellectual property and position ourselves for generations to come. Now, some of my students listened. Some of them did. Some of my peers listened. Some of them didn't. But I definitely listen to myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it's not just a matter of what I did, but it's also of what you said, positioning myself to receive God's favor. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not to say I did everything perfect, but it's to say that in the month of June, I made more than four years of my teacher's salary mm -hmm. in three weeks. Which then turned into an opportunity to do what we said, make our money, make money. Mm -hmm. And creating other platforms and other opportunities and other things to where, you know, I, I went from being like, dang, I wish I could make $55,000 a year to being like, yo, I'm trying to make a million. Yeah, come yeah. on yeah. 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 Different mindset, evolution. Yeah. Once you break a certain, you, you break through a barrier you thought was unreachable or yeah. like, oh, how I'm going to do that, and you break it's like, oh, well, oh, I can do that. What yeah. is that? Bro, but there, there's things there's things for us to learn as a culture. Like I had the benefit of, you know, my father's a black uh, Morehouse man, former Panther, NAACP member, etc. Yeah. Well, my stepfather's a white dude, mm. conservative, Trump supporter, oh. right? So there were things that uh, I learned through access and proximity to my white father, who I'm close to, mm -hmm. by the yeah. way, right? Um, not conservative or anything. No, <laughs> but that's good. But well, yeah. it, it, it gives you, you insight give you to things. Yes. You yeah. learn yeah. things like, okay, I can give each of my grandchildren, this is what his father does, I can give each of my grandchildren up to $12,000 a year, right, and have that not taxed. And now it takes away from my, my taxable threshold, Man. right? So, so they're having to pay less tax on their income. Right? It's things like people see the car I drive and it's a nice car or whatever, and they're like, dang, how a teacher driving one of them? Mm -hmm. Dang. 
But y'all don't understand, like, I leased that for my business and it is a tax write-off. And now I'm bringing down the threshold of my tax liability through the vehicle I'm driving that you're impressed by. But I'd rather drive it than give it away to the government. So it's those it's those type of things about being smart about our money. It's about teaching our students that you know we should be building up our communities and not selling it and then being mad that gentrification happens. Come on, mm -hmm. I bought my home in 2011 for 128,000 as a foreclosure when everyone was selling their house. I went and bought a house. That same house today is worth over 500 thousand dollars. You can't move in my neighborhood under 500. Mm -hmm. So now you're talking about all that equity. Yeah. And what do we see? A bunch of neighbors and people moving in the neighborhood, yeah. jogging down the street who yeah. don't look like us, and we wondering where did they come yeah. from? Yeah. Because all the neighbors have sold their house, yeah. missing the fact that they're not even politically involved in what's going on in the community to even know or to help plan what is to come. So now I got the belt line annexing in my back. Come on now. <laughs> come yeah. on now. Because I sat down in the meeting and had a conversation. Yeah. And so now you talk about another hundred fifty thousand right. dollars of value just because of proximity to the belt line. So you ain't even have some don't even got the money for your bill. <laughs> then I ain't have to pay out of pocket to see happy. Well, actually, we pay it through our taxes, but yeah. we don't get involved in the process exactly. to make sure these yep. amenities yeah. have proximity to us. We don't have no time. Yeah. Well, we better make that time right. mm -hmm. because how long is it going to take you to make that hundred fifty thousand dollars in that job you getting paid Come for? Come on now, not even nowhere near close. But you could have sat down for 15 minutes in that MPU meeting and helped plan out where that where belt line was going to go. Yeah. <laughs> and what, how it's going to benefit you. Correct. And we got to be a part of the process. And this is what people in other communities are doing. And it's also where we have elites who look like us, have been doing for a long time, and kept a concentration of that wealth to themselves. Mm. But now is the time to dismantle all of that. Now is the time for us to share this information. Because not only should we be attaining this information and employing this information in our own life, but we need to be disseminating it and making it a normative understanding among all of us. Among all of us. There are communities that are going to be having many of these developments and things happening just in our own city that we must be aware of. Yeah. Because it's coming, one way or another. Yeah. Mr. Scott, who owns the Met, has so many developments that are going to be popping up around the city. If you just go buy some undervalued piece of property next to one of his future developments, the value of that property yeah, will go up But a lot of people don't don't know how do you get people involved and how do they find out? Like where do they go? Like what's the first place? Like if they want to get into that, where would they go? For for us, I mean, just think about this. We spend more time on Instagram than we do on Atlanta.gov. Mm -hmm. We spend more time on Twitter or on TikTok than we spend looking at where our next NPU meeting, neighborhood planning unit, mm -hmm. um, is going to be. And these are the people who look just like us, who, yeah. who you're standing next to in the grocery store, who are making the decisions as to what zoning is going to happen in your neighborhood, what the what the curb cut going to look like in your neighborhood, whether or not you get some paving over there, yeah. whether or not you get whatever amenity, yeah. whether or not they're going to keep running power lines through your thing and start burying them. Yeah. Right? These type of things are, are happening right there in our neighborhood. And right now in this COVID day and age, it's all on Zoom. Yeah. You ain't even got no excuse. You can go in your room and say, you can just tap right. in right yeah. now. They got so yo. No excuse. No excuse whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Our our city hall meetings are happening on Zoom. Our school board meetings are happening on Zoom. All of these things are happening right a click away. You don't even have to physically be there. But it's a matter of will. And I think honestly it's a matter of our elected officials and those people who know. Yeah. To 
share the importance of it with us. That's where we got, they got to get out of their silos yeah. and start coming to the people and tapping in with us. There are more millennials and Gen Z than there are any other demographic oh, in America. Yeah. And that's one thing I love about Atlanta because there's a lot of millennials in those positions yeah. that you're in that's really educating us on this. So, yeah, but unfortunately not necessarily in elected positions. Yeah. The majority of the people who are elected and making decisions are baby boomers. True. People yeah. who have been here during segregation. Yes. So they're used to what they're used to, but yeah. it's time for us to kind of shake that up. Correct. And, and it's and not to say they the don't have the space, yeah. but it's that they need to share more space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They need to share make more room. space. Correct. They got to make room. Yeah. And it's time. And honestly, no power is going to uh, acquiesce uh, their threshold and their hold on power without someone demanding it or yeah. taking it. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so that really looks like uh, not just myself, but other young people who are running, being supported by our community, being championed by our community, being financially supported by our community, so that uh, we, can, we can bring in more of this presence in these spaces. And as we do that, um, I'm telling you, like, it's going to change everything. When you want to open a restaurant, that makes your life easier. Yeah. When you want to get that, that clothing line store or something like that, it makes it easier. When Stan and them want to uh, not be leasing a space but owning a oh, space, yeah. it makes it easier for them. And so that's, that's, what, that's what that looks like. But we got to really do the work. I know it ain't sexy yeah. to sit in on an MPU meeting, uh, a school board meeting, a city hall meeting and whatnot, but it's real sexy when you see the fruit Come on, right. of being present in those spaces. Yeah. So we have to, I think, really help each other to kind of see what the outcome is and what the value added is. Um, and so now that's why I'm just trying to do my part. But it's gonna take all of us. Yeah. Because yeah. no, I feel like when Jordan Turn grew, are y'all familiar with this page from ETL School or something? Yes. Like, yes. like they went ham on like trying to just document that stigma. Yeah. Know? So I think they were getting kind of yeah. Nah, yeah. they were perpetuators of the stigma. I, well, I yeah, man. That's why like, I hate yeah. that page. Like I, I try not to, I don't follow a uh, shade room because I feel like they they perpetuate more negativity than positivity. Um, I mean, it's all schools. a. a, a they're all in cahoots. Like, yeah. I think mm -hmm. it's yeah. all it's all a, a ploy to show black people in a certain light because of course once you get paid, like Shade Room started out real cool. I don't know mm -hmm. if y'all like Shade Room was for the black people. Like yeah. real, real once that money started coming in and people realized that they were a big, big platform, I think they're being controlled by some something Sorry. else because it wasn't it wasn't genuine. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel like, oh, okay, yeah, let me just see what's on the shade. Now it's like, oh, he would. You want a shade room. Yeah, exactly. My yeah. God, even baller. Shade room is like the new media takeout. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been hit the shade room a couple of times. And every time when someone, you get that phone call and they're like, yo, you just got put. I'm like, It's yeah. the why, but I think uh, a lot of that, you know, what ends up getting put there, we have a responsibility for. Mm -hmm. yeah, First of all, we got a responsibility for, for certain things resonating with us, mm -hmm. right? Like, it, it's, yeah, I was just talking to somebody about this. I mean, I got videos on my page that got about 500,000 views on them and things like that, but it'll be like me riding on my one wheel board or something like that, you. right? So, yeah, they love that. Mm -hmm. But if I'm at a protest, come on now. If I'm at a demonstration, yeah. them views is down, yeah. right? Yeah. They, they ain't as worried about yeah. that. But like, I'm fighting for your right to vote. Yeah. But you'll let your that will resonate with you less yeah. 
than me riding on a one wheel board on the belt line, uh, smiling, and I got my bro behind me, and he got his shirt off, and you like what he looked like, so you want to share that, right? So we gotta, we have to honestly be more disciplined ourselves. We have a, a, a an immaturity. Uh, in terms of what we appreciate, uh, in terms of within our culture, that we really gotta address. Yeah. Like, we gotta really kind of recalibrate. Like, yo, what matters? Yeah. What matters to us? Um, and unfortunately, look, we got a lot of friends who are major influencers who forget the tens of thousands, a hundred thousand in the M's, yeah. right? But they're only gonna promote or put out things that they know resonate with people, and they know that yeah. those movements and those type of things ain't necessarily. Mm -hmm. Until they get in some trouble. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Until yeah, something yeah. goes down and now they need that presence. Yeah. Yeah. I need to know protest. Then it's, it's different. Good. It's yep. Good. Yep. <laughs> then it's different. So we gotta we gotta be uh, we gotta hold each other accountable for what we're tapping into. I think that's I was gonna say because it starts with the self with that. So it's like how do you get someone else to develop that mindset? And like you said, it's gonna be accountability. Correct. And we gotta expose it. Like shoot, the the school page, right? It's run by a white, a white kid, girl, mm -hmm. woman, young I woman, that, yeah. I was like, I right? Told who ain't, who is not for us? Not at all. At all. And now they changed the tune when they got exposed. Yeah. 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 Shout out to Isaac Hayes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like yeah. until they, until they got exposed for what the, what the real purpose of that was, and we, it goes back to the whole, the first part of this conversation, the black on black thing. Yeah. It's real easy to push that. It's real easy to sell that to people. Yeah. It's real easy for people in Atlanta to go see black on black crowd with the city predominantly black. Yeah, of course. Yeah. The poverty, we, we live in one of the most uh, uh, economically uh, divided cities in the country. Yeah. In the country. Our rich, rich got it, and our poor, poor don't. Yeah. And it stays that way. It stays that way because we don't create opportunities for our south side of Atlanta. We got this split. It's like when you cross 20, it's like a whole different world. Yeah. And we, we're, not, we're not addressing those issues. And so the same neighborhoods are staying poor for forever. Yeah. We got one, of guys, one of you guys actually has this thing on, uh, on SIG Bioeducate the Hood. I think that's, that's so yeah. powerful. Yeah. Like if we can educate the hood, yeah. we can change the world. Correct. Shout out to Scotty Smart. Yeah. Yes, sir. Whose shirt I'm wearing, by the way. Um, so to wrap it up, basically I got this one last question. If your younger self lived in 2020, what advice would you give them? If my younger self lived in 2020? 2021. 2021, like today. Yeah, today. If I was 12 today. Mm -hmm. What would you advise yourself? How would you advise yourself? On finance. Like finance was like learn more about credit cards and how to use it. I would learn. I would, I would learn, I would educate myself on, of course I am to literacy, but I would learn emotional intelligence mm -hmm. if I was 12. Mars. I've learned that if you learn how to respond and how to mm -hmm. react um, and how to govern yourself accordingly, um, you're in control of a lot of things that will happen to you and for you. Mm -hmm. So if I was 12 living in 2021, of course I would learn financial literacy. Um, I would be like a, a little Bambi, bushy tail, bright eyes, because I want to soak up as much information as I can. And I would learn how to deal 
with adversity and, and, and learn emotional intelligence. And I want to try everything. I, I would, if I was 12, I would literally want to try and do everything. Be the best little girl without no regrets, without nobody telling me, you can't do this, or girls yeah. can't do that, or girls, yes. girls. Yes. I would literally do everything. And I would have my friends all doing, we'll have our own business at 12, lip, lipstick, lip gloss, something. I don't know what it is, but we'll have our own business so we can learn early so that I wouldn't be at 35, 36, 37 trying to figure it out. Yeah. So that would be big. Um, I'll piggyback off of what you said. Mine was going to be to not to live in a box. Yeah. Like, yeah. to understand that it's a, you're, you're in a very small fraction of the world mm-hmm. and you got to explore and see what's out there to understand who you are as a person. So the second one is learn who you are before you try to become somebody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because we get lost in this world, like we're trying to do this, trying to do that, da, 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 and it's not for us, so it's not working out. We're not happy, it doesn't work out for us. So be okay. Be, be okay with being yourself. Don't be hard on yourself. You're mm-hmm. young as hell. You know, you have a whole life <laughs> to live. You gotta, you're going, failure is a part of life. Yeah. So learn to be okay with failure. Don't be so hard on yourself. And just do what makes you happy and have faith and you will go to where you need to. Um, come on now. It's <laughs> said that because. That is real. And I think everybody. <laughs> No, I, I think I would I would tell my younger self you're enough already. Mm, yes. Um, I think a, a lot of us feel like we got to change something or, or do something different in order to to, to have credibility, and I think that's a, a big lie. Um, I think I would teach my younger self that ownership is king, uh, and so too with content. Um, you know, if uh, a lot of us kind of hold back on sharing our life with the world because we don't think it's bright enough, uh, but missing the fact that. You know what, yo. <laughs> See, just walk out. Just walk out. <laughs> yes. I need this audio. I need this raw. Um, but yeah, just that you know we uh, we are who we need. Uh, we don't have to wait for someone else to save us. We don't have to wait for someone else to to pave the way for us. Um, and uh, and to just stay true, be authentic, uh, for good or bad. Um, let no man or woman count too much with you. Um, and don't lose the comments yeah. Well, that's all right. Right. Like, no, but thank you guys so much. Uh, literally, so the reason why my team and I started this podcast is because of people like you. So, Christina, Shibby, Unruly, like, my spirit is literally jumping, like, overjoyed right really now with just everything that y'all shared. So, Thank you so much. Keep doing great things. Uh, I appreciate, I admire your love of the community, what you do for people today, people tomorrow, people next generations. Uh, I'm, I'm taking notes. Every single one of y'all. YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. I'm taking notes. So I just appreciate y'all giving y'all the flowers. Keep on. Thank you. Black, black.
black, my thoughts so black, 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 I'm black, my skin is so black, I'm rocking that black, my black is black, rims on this black, wheels in this black, black, put this black, black, so black, black, black.